Many of you know Philip and Angela Wall. Philip and Angela work here at Grace, and so if you see the cleanliness of everything, thank them. But if you really know Philip and Angela, you know they are about one thing, and who is that? The Panthers. Yes, they love the Panthers. I've been on bike rides with Philip, Panther stuff. I've been to Israel, Panther stuff. Look at these pictures. It's just, pan that's Israel. Israel, right? He takes Panthers to Israel, just wherever he goes. As a matter of fact, they're sitting right back here. Would you guys stand up? Look at them this morning. Yeah. I asked him to wear the, wear the Panther gear. He said, won't we be a distraction? Not in this place. They love the Panthers, and if you bring up the word football to them, it's going to go to the Panthers every single time. Even this year when there's not really loads to talk about, it's going to go there. Well, uh, I start out with that because it, it is just a, a small demonstration or maybe a larger one of Peter and John. Uh, because every time they see uh, an opportunity, they go to one man, and his name is Jesus. Every single time. They're no different. It was Jesus. Whatever happened, they found a way to trace it and weave it back to Jesus. And so last week we discovered the lame man who has lain there more than, uh, we don't know how many years, but he's more than 40 years old. And he's raised and it's an amazing sight. It's a remarkable scene as this man is raised and Peter has an opportunity to preach. And the crowds gather in the portico and they preach. But there is an idea that emerges in Peter's sermon that he more fully develops in chapter 4. So let me jump back to Acts 3, verse 16. And Peter is preaching and he says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter makes clear that what was done was done in the name of Jesus and not in his own name, not in Peter's name, not in John's name, but in Jesus' name. Well, what does it mean for something to be done in the name of? And so often when you pray, you pray in the name of. Why do we do that and what does it mean? If you are driving and you're speeding and you get pulled, you'll be pulled by a city officer or maybe a county a sheriff or a state trooper. They pull you not in their own name. The only reason that they can pull you and give you a ticket is because they operate in the name of the city or in the name of the county or in the name of the state. So when you think like that, let's take the word name out and put authority in its place to for Peter, when Peter says this happened to you in the name of Jesus, he means in the authority of Jesus. In the authority. 
authority of the sheriff's department or the city police or the state troopers in the authority of his name. So Peter's preaching, and in the middle of his sermon, perhaps, we don't know how much farther he had to go. Chapter 4, he's interrupted. The uh, chief priests, the rulers, they come out. Look at verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, so right in the middle of his sermon, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, look at this phrase, came upon them. This is a serious interruption. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. All right, so the miracle, you remember, happened at 3 p.m., So get this in your mind. The miracle happens. The lame man runs into the temple. They go out. It's Solomon's porch, that amazing large space outside the temple. They go outside. They preach. And then they are interrupted. But that doesn't stop the effect of the gospel. Look at verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. The last count we have is 3,000. Now we've got 5,000, just the men. Just the men. I love John Stott's quote here. He said, the Sadducees could arrest the apostles, but not the gospel. I love that. I love that some of you are sharing the gospel with your friends or with your family or co-workers or your neighbors, and I want to say something to you this morning that you, you may wonder, is their effect? Is the gospel going forward? Peter and John are in jail, and thousands are getting saved. Why? It is not Peter, nor is it John who saves anyone. It is Christ who saves people. Paul writing in Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Look at verse 5 and 6. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, all who were of the high priestly family. Let me just park there for just a quick minute. So if you look back, Annas currently isn't the high priest, but he is this leader who probably retains the title because he is behind the scenes pushing the buttons. Think of a founder of a company who retires There's a new CEO, but everybody knows who the real CEO is, right? It's the founder of the company who retired, but who still calls the shots. Annas is doing that. Caiaphas is his son-in-law, all right? So this is a family affair. He had presided over the unfair trial of Jesus, Caiaphas did. John, listed here, is Annas' son, All right, so you see all the interwoven family here. 
five of Annas' sons, one grandson, and a son-in-law all attained the rank of a high priest. This was a complete family affair. And so they gather. If the entire Sanhedrin gathered, and I would venture to say they did, because if you're going to have Annas and Caiaphas and John, we don't know who Alexander is, if you're going to have all of them there, most likely the rest are coming. That would have been 71 men. 71 men convened. This is the Supreme Court of Israel. They sat in a semicircle, so they're going to be in a half circle to where they can see one another as they talk. And brought in front of them are Peter and John and surprising the lame man who was healed. From this meeting, we discover three realities described here. These are not the only ones of what happens in Jesus' name. First, in Jesus' name, the sick are healed. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Jesus had promised Peter and the other disciples that they would be empowered by the Spirit For times like this, let's go back to Luke 12. These are Jesus' words. He's talking to Peter and the others. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, not if, but when, Jesus knew this day was coming. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Peter hasn't, Peter, Peter and John have only had overnight to prepare their defense. But Jesus says, this is going to happen. The Holy Spirit, he'll prepare and tell you what to say. So here's the Spirit working. Peter's full of the Spirit. The promise is made and kept by God. Verses 8 through 10, rulers of the people and elders, that's respectful. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, that's sarcasm. All right, don't miss that. Peter, I think, has got the spiritual gift of sarcasm. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of who, church? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Peter, he can't help himself. He can't, right? He can't. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Now, this is the first time Peter's had the real people in the room. And these are the real people in the room. This is Caiaphas. This is Annas. These are the movers and shakers who orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus. Peter isn't backing down, not one iota. Cripple man is in there because by what means this man has been healed. Peter has now preached three times in the book of Acts and his sermons are quite similar, aren't they? What do they say? This Jesus whom you crucified, God raised That's Peter's mantra. That is the theme of his preaching. 
What do we learn from Peter here? All day, every day, preach the gospel. All day, every day, preach the gospel. Alluded to it a moment ago, I had an opportunity this week to sit down with folks from outside our community who came here to discover what we're doing. I do not know if they were believers. I, I just don't know if they were believers. But as I sat and talked about the different ways that God has pushed us out into this community, I looked at them and I said, you must know one thing about us. We are distinctly Christian. We do what we do because we believe that Jesus Christ died, rose again, is coming back, that there is an eternal perspective to life. And the reason that we love deeply and go out is because of Jesus. That's what I said to them. They sat there with the capacity to give us money to help us to do what we do. And I was able to graciously look at them and say to them, we would never take money from anyone who wasn't good with the fact that we love, preach, declare, believe Jesus is the hope of the world. That's what we believe. I would say to you all day, every day, preach the gospel. It is the good news. It is the good news of salvation to those who do not know Jesus. So how are we doing? We do this every Sunday. Let's see how we're doing toward our 300 gospel conversations. This is where we were last week. 65 maybe. Awesome, isn't that good? Yes, yes. Keep up the good work. 1 Peter 3.15, this is Peter's writing later. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. That's where it starts. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always. Wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, be ready. Be ready. Peter does it in front of the very ones who handed Jesus over to Pilate. So what does he do? He goes to their own textbook, the Old Testament. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Psalm 118, 22. He quotes to them their He quotes to them their stuff. He quotes to them Psalm 118. So what is the cornerstone? Well, in Peter's day, when you built, it was the largest stone. It was on the corner, as you could imagine. It was set in place first. And from that stone, it was square. The building was made plumb. So from that stone, you would look out and build this way and look out and build that way. And it determined the building and whether or not it was square. I find this a bit horrifying. In September of last year, 
a settlement was reached over the Millennium Tower. I think you'll see some pictures here of that tower. All right, so do you see that crack? Just keep it right there for a moment. You see that crack in the sidewalk? This tower was built in 2008 in San Francisco. Uh, the, the, the condos in it, the, the, the units sold for millions of dollars. But by 2018, let me get my numbers right here, it had sunk 17 inches and was tilting 15 inches. Wow. 17 inches. We'll go through uh, the pictures now. There you see it. It stands, uh, let me just, 58 stories tall. Just keep rolling here through these pictures. This is just some pictures of this amazing place on the inside. Celebrities and others uh, bought it. Are there any more pictures, Kathy? That's it? All right. So celebrities and others bought homes there only to discover that when they built it, they built it on uh, sand that was high in water content. And next door, when they went to do some work, it began to suck the water out from and under this building, causing the tilting. The, the uh, company that built it has invested $100 million to fix it and is reimbursing people because not only is their building sinking, so are their property values, as you could imagine. Peter looks at the religious leaders of his day and says, you're building a tower on sinking sand. You've forgotten the cornerstone. You, you, you're building a building on the wrong foundation. You've forgotten the most important stone in the building. Number two, we discover something that may be surprising to you. In Jesus' name, the religious are saved. He goes on to say, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Well, you would imagine if he says you've forgotten the one important stone, the cornerstone, there is salvation in nobody else. You've forgotten the most important. Just like there was no other hope for the lame man, there is no other hope for anyone lost in sin. Notice Peter's words. He says, by which we must be saved. Who's we? It's Peter. It's John. It's nameless lame man. And it's 71 members of the Sanhedrin. Peter looks at the religious leaders of Israel and says, you need Jesus. Wow. He looks at religious people and says, you need Christ. Years ago, years ago, at a youth ministry meeting, I, I met a young man, both close in age then, by the name of Mike Penry. Mike was a youth pastor down in Kernersville. We met, and it was one of those deals where we ended up skipping the rest of the conference and playing racquetball, I confess. And so, uh, struck up a friendship. Mike and Jenny, then Wendy and I got married. We became friends, family friends. Don't think I'll ever forget the Sunday evening 
Michael and staff at a great church, First Baptist Garner, right outside of Raleigh, that he called. And his voice was quivering. I said, Mike, what's wrong? He said, I need you. I said, all right, what do you need? He said, Jerry, I, I've made this unbelievable discovery. What is it, Mike? He said, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. What? He said, never. I grew up in a very religious home. I was in church every time you should have been. He said, but tonight in worship, it occurred to me that I'm on staff at my church. I lead the youth ministry. I preach occasionally. But I don't know Jesus. I said, Mike. He said, what? do I do? I said, give your life to him tonight. This is the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to bed the way you woke up this morning. And that night, on the phone, Mike wept his way to the Lord. I trekked down to First Baptist Garner the Sunday they baptized their youth pastor. Isn't that awesome? Was there the night he was ordained into Christian ministry too? Peter looks around the room and says, we can only be saved we, all 71 of you, James, me, there's no other name, there's no other authority. You may be here in a lifelong Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian, but you have never known Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I say to you what Peter said to the Sanhedrin, there is no other name. Please hear me. God has no grandchildren, only children. You will not get into heaven on the skirt tails of your godly praying mother or your godly dad. You will not get to heaven because your mom or your dad or your grandpa or your grandmother loved and knew Jesus. You will only get there because you realized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and God sent his one and only son to be the Savior for your sins, to die for you, and to raise you up to live an entirely new life. That's the only way anybody gets to heaven. Amen? There is no other name, Peter says. And we say it unashamedly today. There is no other name. I love this. In Jesus' name, the timid are bold and the bold are timid. In Jesus' name, the sick are healed in Jesus' name. Religious are saved in Jesus' name. The timid are bold and the bold are timid. Now when they, 
that's the 71, if they're all gathered, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They're like, who are these guys? Right? They see their boldness and they go, all right, Peter was a fisherman. John, brother of James, son of a fisherman. They shouldn't be able to talk like this. They should be shaking in their shoes. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with who? Don't you want that said about you? I so want that said about me. Yesterday, did Beth Cribb's funeral? Privileged. I always love it when I get to do this, to use her Bible and to open up the Word of God, pages torn, pages worn, things underlined, highlighted. By the way, parents, I, I recommend you do that. I would say whatever money you may have to hand down to your kids or grandkids, whatever, whatever physical resources, nothing will brighten their world as much as a copy of the word that you dug into all your life. As a matter of fact, I chose the text for the sermon not having looked at Beth's Bible with it until I got there yesterday. I open up 1 Thessalonians 4. Do you know what Beth had written underneath? Oh, you will grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Wow. Beth walked with Jesus. They recognized they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, don't you think that little keyword standing is huge? <laughs> I love the detail, Dr. Luke, standing. He's not sitting, and he's definitely not lying down begging. They had nothing to say in opposition. I'll say this later. It'll be up on the screen later, but you can't argue with a changed life. You cannot argue with a changed life. I mean, what do you say? He couldn't walk, and now he is. He was begging, and now he isn't. You can't argue with a changed life. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do to, with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They're freaking out. they got a PR crisis on their hands. These are the spiritual leaders of the country. Nothing's happening under their watch. Here come a, a couple of ragtag, uneducated fishermen, and all of a sudden a lame man can walk. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak, to, to no, to, to speak no more to anyone in this name. Did you see that in this what? In this name. There's something about his name. Boldness. Is defined as freedom in speaking, fearless confidence. It's not arrogance. It's not being rude. It's not running roughshod over people. It's not screaming, yelling. It's, it's none of that. I think our county was known for that for years. People out in parking lots screaming at people. 
telling them they're going to hell. And I'm afraid it turned away more people than it ever brought in. The story came to my mind. I can't believe I'm telling it, but here we go. I have a friend who lives in Old Fort. She doesn't know the Lord. Share Christ with her. She doesn't care to say what she thinks. Years ago, one of those families was in Black Mountain, saw her, and she was doing two cardinal sins in their eyes. She was wearing blue jeans, number one, and number two, she was smoking. And they yelled across at her that she was going to hell. And she grabbed a tube before. She said, I may be, but you'll get there before I do. <laughs> no lie. That's not the kind of boldness we're talking about. It is freedom in speaking fearless confidence. Peter has everything to say. Do you notice this? They have what? Nothing to say. In Jesus' name, the timid are bold and the bold are timid. So they have a private meeting. I don't know if you ever wonder about stuff like this, but how did Luke know what was said in there? How did he know? Let me give you a couple possibilities. Because other people wonder about it, and I read what they wrote. A couple possibilities. Guess who probably was in the room? Paul. Saul. Right. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Most likely Saul, who is going to be converted, chapter 9, is sitting in the room. And that, that just gives me chills to think about. So Saul, at least Saul's mentor, Gamaliel's in the room, who would have told Saul, who would have told Dr. Luke, who would have written it down, who wrote the book of Acts. They have a private meeting, and they say, what shall we do this, what shall we do with these men? I ask you a question, it's for me, it says we, do we do enough for God that Satan convenes a council to figure out what to do with us? Do we? Are we at all a target because we're advancing the kingdom? So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. I'm telling you, it's a sarcastic dude. You must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. In Jesus' name, the timid are bold and the bold are timid. I would just say this to you. You cannot argue with a changed life. And so I've yet to see this. We're seeing this for the first time together. But we had some folks sit down and talk about how God has changed their life. And Christina put it together for us. Would you check out the screen? Last October, I was diagnosed with uh, small cell lung cancer. Um, it's a hard blow, and I know all of you that are suffering from it feel that way. But in a way, I kind of felt that it was going to be okay because at that point in time, it felt like somebody nudging me in my ribs saying, you know, we got this. 
where I was before Christ was caught up in a mess of desperate attempts to control every part of my life. Prior to attending Grace Community Church, um, I was not really involved in any church life. I was very career-oriented and title-chasing. Before Christ was uh, filled with a lot of um, uncertainties, uh, not caring, uh, very bad person. Never stepping foot in church a day in my life until I was in high school, I can honestly say that without God, I had no idea where my life was headed. Not a lot of direction and certainly not a lot of guidance from anyone. I was really and truly lost. Oh, goodness. Um, I've had a journey over the past three or four years. Um, I found myself a lot, you know, not attending church frequently. Um, I've always had a religion. I grew up in church. Um, I was baptized at a, um, around 14, 13, 14. Um, and then I found myself when we had kids, something didn't feel right. Um, we, need, we need something more. But when I gave my life to Christ, I also gave my control over to God. And where I am now is learning to take a seat in the front row and watch it unfold before me exactly the way it's supposed to. So then we found grace and I come to realize that there's more than just religion. There's a relationship that you grow into, and we just kind of fill into it. Um, where I'm at now is I read my Bible daily. I um, try to start my day with the Word. Um, my kids are closer, my family's closer, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm, learning to disciple and so I can talk about Jesus and not scared to do so. Having God, the Holy Spirit, as my walking companion, I can say that with God, I have spiritual purpose, I love to serve, I have real hope for my future. I don't deserve it, but I'm so grateful for it. April 2018, we attended Grace for the first time, and then we were baptized, my husband and I and my daughter were baptized in August 2018 and joined the church in 2019. Um, during that time, I became a part of a life group and really got deeper in God's work. I finished my radiation treatment the first of the week. Um, I've got two more such as a chemo to do, and then we'll see where it's at. Uh, but since Christ, I mean, I have, and leading up to, to when I got saved a couple of weeks ago, um, all that started to change. And a big part of it had to do with being here at Grace, and then uh, the biggest part was God coming into my life and me understanding God's abilities. And that's about it. I mean, it's, it's really changed me. My name is Crystal Marsh. My name is Tanya Waycaster. My name is Julie Harris. 
My name is Tony Miller. My name is Chris Harris. I am a changed life. 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 <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs>